Hi everyone, my name is Darren Griffith and you're very welcome to the 10th episode of the Lusk Athletic Club podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in. So please like, share, follow and subscribe. As usual, we have some really great guests on this episode. We talked to Dick Hooper about his running career, marathon training and Dublin City Marathon. And we also chat to Lusk AC Vice Chairman and Development Coach Aidan McKenna. So let's start with my interview with Dick Hooper. So hi everyone, I'd like to welcome Dick Hooper to the podcast. Dick is of course a very well-known Irish long-distance runner, winning six national marathon titles, winning DCM three times, including the inaugural DCM in 1980, and representing Ireland at three different Olympics in Moscow, Los Angeles and Seoul. So Dick is also a valued member of and coach at Rohini Shamrock Athletic Club. So Dick, you're very welcome and thanks for agreeing to chat to us. Thank you, Darren. Nice to be here. You might like to start by kind of introducing yourself, maybe to telling to telling everyone a little bit about Dick the non-runner or... Dick the non-runner. Okay, Dick the, well, Dick the non-runner is now 67 years of age, retired after uh, 44 years working in the banking industry. Um, grandfather of three young uh, grandchildren, the lights of my life at the moment, Um two daughters and uh, living in Rohini nearly all my life. So uh, uh, and enjoying retirement and uh, staying with my love of athletics, very involved with Rohini and uh, beyond. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks for that, Dick. Not always nice to set the scene. Um, <laughs> so look, I mean, uh, obviously I've, I've done a little bit of research, but I mean, yourself and, and your, your late brother, Pat, were obviously fantastic runners and, you know, famously both representing Ireland in the marathon at the, at the same Olympics in Moscow, which is a, an incredible uh, uh, feat. So, like, how did it come about that the the Hooper household uh, produced such talented runners? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, well, apart from my older brother, sadly deceased now, um, he he got me into running. He so he went down to Rohini Shamrock circa nineteen sixty nine. Um, we were both up in St Paul's College in Rohini. And he went down in 69 and he was running for a year, a couple of years. And at, I was playing my football and uh, rugby and soccer and ga and um, uh, busy with all of them. And then one day he, he came to me and he said that the club needed a, a fourth scorer for a cross country team. The classic reason for a lot of people getting involved. And he dragged me down to a Dublin league under 16 uh, cross country out in Portran. I remember, and uh, I got the bug straight away, and um, I was 15 at the time, and um, we had a nice little group of runners down in Rohini at that stage, um, the Giblin brothers, John Duffy, John Marr, Paul Brady, uh, and Pat was slightly older than us, Pat didn't have, there was a lot my age group, but Pat didn't have many his age group, Um, so... Uh, I got the bug and we we started training away and uh, as you as you train and start to get results your ambitions start to grow and um, I started to dream big um, and I gave up my other sports uh, more or less immediately so that was like by by fifth year in school I was solely just a runner um pat had left school at that stage and he was in the pmpa in town and you know little things that i remember from that time um running wasn't that popular at you know you were it, it was kind of elitist in that unless you were very competitive you didn't run at all at that time and um very few people running out on the streets i mean we would wait until it was dark before we would go out running for risk of uh been slagged and all that kind of stuff you'd be embarrassed going out running uh on the on the roads in the, in those days um and uh but i had i'd pretty successful schools career by the i was second in the all-ireland school steeplechase um st paul's won a leinster schools cross country and was third in the all-ireland schools cross country in back in my time and um by the time I left school, I had the opportunity uh, to go to get a, a scholarship to America. Athletic scholarships were everybody was kind of dreaming of them at that stage. And I got a couple of offers, but 
I wasn't that academic and I wasn't that interested in 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 pursuing a third level career from that perspective. So uh, I declined them and uh, my first job was in the central bank. So I went into the central bank, but straight away, uh, uh, I was using the central bank really as a resting place because I was training twice a day, uh, running to and from work. And, um, you know, when you've no responsibilities at that, at, the, at that stage, you can kind of pursue your dream in that amateur professional mind maybe but amateur setup um and you know slowly the doors started to open um and very at a very young age i realized that i was better at the long distance than i was at the um the shorter distances um and very unusual for the time um i ran my first marathon which was the national marathon in 1978 and i actually won it but I had, and I was only 21 years of, the, of age at the time, 21 years and 10 months, I think. Um, I think I'm the youngest ever winner of that title, if I'm if I'm correct. Um, and straight away I had the bug and, you know, my my career, I suppose, mushroomed from then. Brilliant. That's a, a lovely account. Um, I like the fact that you kind of came to running a little bit late and, uh, and then you, you had the good sense to knock the other sports on the head. It's tough to be a runner if you're playing football and Gaelic football in Ireland. <laughs> um, As I, well, you know, I deal with a lot of young, youngsters now. And um, in some ways, uh, when I'm training them, I'm frustrated that they're also playing football and hurling and stuff like that. But I've learned patience and I've learned that it's not a bad thing for them to be still playing the other sports up to about the age of 15 or so. Um, what tends to happen around that age is that they start to you know that they're biting if they if they start to come uh, if they start to avoid their matches to to come to you for a race or you know maybe an important training session or stuff like that and you just slowly take them on board you're not going to get them all in fact you're going to get very few of them compared to the other sports but the ones who who want to be there will eventually come your way and you know 15 or so is a dangerous age when you're a youngster because you you could have been very involved in sport up to that age and then all of a sudden you get distracted and you might drop all those other sports and end up doing nothing, uh, which is a very sad situation for, for people, um, for young people, I think. But, um, you know, so uh, you say old, I think maybe it's probably a good age. You, we all hear about the 10 and 11 year olds who are superstars at, you know, and winning every race before them at that age. And then 10 years later, you're kind of flipping back through old books and you're saying, whatever happened to so-and-so? Uh, so you know it's not always a, an even path yeah yeah and actually uh, uh, Aidan McKenna I interview Aidan on, on the same podcast as yourself um, you, you'll appear together and Aidan yeah. talks about the benefits of uh, you know young people pursuing loads of different sports and all the different how they strengthen their bodies in different ways and so on from doing those yeah, sports yeah. good for running and so on but um, I suppose look you, you've ran many marathons and we could you know, I could ask you many different types of questions, but how about um, like what was your most mar- memorable marathon and, and why? Ah, there's a few of them. You know, I've run forty one marathons in my career. Um, I've run under two twenty twenty one times, which is more than any other Irish person has done. And I had a long career in terms of um, you know, my first marathon was in nineteen seventy eight, and my last one was in um. 2001 so I kind of spanned a, a few decades at a, at a at a pretty high level um I'm always known as the guy who won the Dublin marathon so winning the first Dublin marathon in particular uh was probably the best decision I ever made in terms of you know nobody nobody ever introduces me as the guy who went to the Olympics or the guy who won the national titles they tend to introduce me as the fellow who won the dublin marathon um so uh you know i'm very grateful to the fact that uh when the first dublin marathon was mooted that i had the the good sense to say hey here's an opportunity here let's go for it um so it has to be well up there in the memory bank It's, it's not my finest ever run there was some other good ones too the 1985 dublin was very good um I ran a 2.13 and I, you know, I just was hopping off the street that day. Internationally, I won the Pittsburgh Marathon in 1990 and that was really uh, very exciting for me at the time. Um, and it was, you know, it was uh, a on foreign soil and Pittsburgh is pretty good, a pretty big one over there. Um, that, w- that was good. And then I suppose my PB, 2.12.19 down in 
Rosslair, uh, Wexford Rosslair Road down in, back in 1988. You know, it's hard to uh, pick an absolute one because uh, you put so much effort and mental and physical into preparing for them. And some days they work out better than others. Um, you know, so, yeah. I mean, they weren't all easy or, or good. So, I mean, you referenced there that, I mean, your, your career, you know, spanned two decades or so. I mean, in those kind of, 20 or so years, like what were the key hard lessons you learned in relation to marathon training or prep? Well, I, w- I was always very diligent in my preparation. I was, I was a high mileage man. Um, so, you know, uh, around the early 1980s, I would regularly run about 160 miles a week. Um, I'd run, I'd run, uh, train three times a day on two of the, two of the days of the week. Um, twice a day on four on three on four days and then the long run on a Sunday and when I'd be preparing for a marathon I'd go over distance I'd run um I generally run about four 30 mile runs um and I I was very diligent if I knew if I knew where the event was I'd go down and I'd run the course and I'd drive over it and I'd get a mental picture of it um I'd I'd prepare to peak for a marathon you know i didn't mind i i would race a lot of 10ks and five milers and stuff like that but i wouldn't ease down for them so i'd train through them and some days you get away with that and other days you have stinkers in those races and you kind of have to balance and 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 um evaluate that well that's all part of the build-up um uh you know so I, i always had the focus that for me a marathon was putting all your eggs in the one basket um and you only got probably two opportunities a year and you had to get it right. So there was no messing around with a uh, lack of preparation or bad preparation or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and then there'd be key in your preparation for them. Those, those long runs that I speak of, they were really important because if you got one or two of them that went wrong um, and we've all had a, a day where a long run has, has gone badly um, that can, play havoc with, with with your confidence and with your your physical well-being and everything so you know I was always very careful that I I got those right as well and I'd, I'd pick a couple of key races in my build-up usually a half marathon and a 10 miler and I would ease up for them and I'd be looking for a result in them because they they would be a key indicator then as to how I could expect to perform in the marathon three or four or six weeks later after them, you know? Yeah. And we have our, we have the, the half marathon in Phoenix Park now on, on Saturday. But I, 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 I suppose the, 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 the overriding thing is the event has to be respected more than anything else, because if you don't respect it, it'll just jump up and bite you. Yeah. Um, by respect, I mean, proper preparation, proper attitude, you know, the whole shebang. Yeah. Okay. And did you, did you ever turn up, for a marathon um and i mean obviously you were prepared uh but kind of surprise yourself or, or have a marathon where you, you you ran better than you thought or you know it's always nice to hear a story where where people didn't really expect things maybe to go their way or were you always confident your runs would, would work out i always had a fair old feeling about how i was going to do you know i'd know from my preparation um uh I, I I doubt it really, you know. I mean, when I did run well, <laughs> I ran well because I'd got the prep right, and I I, I more or less expected the uh, uh, and hoped that uh, I had done the right things that would produce the performance. Um, on the on the flip side of that, you'd have a few days there where you you thought you had done everything, and you and you you, di- you didn't perform. They're like they're the hard old days to to deal with. Um, but that's the. I suppose that is the, the the absolute test of the marathon. Like the more marathons you run, the more likely you are to have a bad run. Um, so uh, you know, there, there it's such a it's such a attritional event, and it, it invites such um, possible uh, problems for you in, in in any way, whether it's the weather or the way you're feeling or you know your preparation or whatever that. Uh, it tests you really in 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 all aspects. It's like life, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, uh, you said your PB, as you mentioned, in Wexford in nineteen eighty eight. Did you have, feel you had a good run in you that day? And 
Uh, yeah, that was that was a, that was probably the most exciting race on Irish soil up to then. Um, there was a lot of us chasing the three Olympic spots, and um, <clears throat> there was a, a group of five of us were battling that out for about twenty miles. There was um, John Woods who actually won the race in two eleven thirty. Uh, myself, um, Roy Dooney was third. Eamon Tierney was fourth. Um, Jerry Kiernan was there. Um, there was, I think, it was that five that we were locked in battle, and we were. It was hammer and tongs right down. It was out. It was an out and back course down, and uh, from Wexford out to Rosslare and back. Um and, you know, it, it was it was an ep- a race where you you really emptied the tank, and and the reward obviously was an Olympic place, so it was so important, and um, uh, there was only two places going because John Tracy had been pre picked. So, uh, you know, the tension in that five group of five while we were battling for those places was quite something. So um, was that key then that you had that that battle obviously on your hands, the, the, the four other competitors that drove you to your PB, do you think? Uh, yes, on that day, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It just took it out of me. But I knew I was I knew I was going to go close because I was well prepared, you know. Yeah. Okay, great. I mean, you touched earlier on the fact that you worked in 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 the bank. Um, mm. So, could you maybe tell us about the challenges of balancing work, family life, and your athletics? Was that was that was that difficult? Yeah, that was difficult. And you know, when I look back on it now, and I see the lifestyles of athletes nowadays, I wonder kind of how 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 my vintage did it in those days. I mean, yeah. I would. Um, uh, in my latter life, from I, I worked in the central bank up to the age twenty eight, twenty nine. So that was nineteen eighty five, um, and then I changed to the, what was the Irish Permanent Building so- Society, but later became permanent TSB, and uh, through all those changes. So, um, in my central bank days, I used to run. I was based in town, so I used to run from uh, get up and run to work every day, and run home, and maybe go out a third time, uh. And then obviously life gets more complicated. You get married and you have a couple of children and you're, you know, you're trying to keep all the, the balls going in the air. Yeah. Uh, and then later in life, um, when I was in the permanent, I was based most of my career down in Rohini, which was all very handy. Um, but it, it was a very challenging day. The workload got heavier in work and uh, you're still trying to do your two times a day training and be the best father and uh, a husband that you could be and you know all that kind of stuff my memory of it now is you know when I think back is that you were always tired um, and you, you got up nearly tired and you were trained and tired a lot of the times uh, and it, w- it would have been lovely to go away and have a little siesta during the day and maybe that would sort of solve the problem but back in those days that just wasn't an option uh, and of course all the backup of the um the massage and um, nowadays just grants and everything. If if I were around nowadays, I probably wouldn't be working, you know, or I'd yeah. probably be a full time athlete, and that might change things. But to be honest, I never really wants to be a full time athlete because I think life is about balance, you know, and there's lots of other things in life, and I don't, I wouldn't like to be just the runner, you know, and I wouldn't yeah. like to be consumed with running and have no other kind of. Uh, interest in life or whatever you know so I've, I've no regrets about that um that's just the 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 way it was dealt back in those days we were all in the same boat yeah and then just maybe the last question on kind of your running as such i mean what would have been your favorite marathon destination or marathon course uh outside of dublin of course and outside of ireland maybe just to uh well I ran New York five times when I was a master. I like New York, but it was a very tough course. I mean, but for the crowds and stuff like that, it was great. Uh Dublin in those days back in the eighties was brilliant because it was a different course to the one now and it went through a lot of the suburbs and thankfully a lot of those suburbs were on the north side, you know, the Finglases, the Rohinis, the Marinos, the Verbius. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so that was a real buzz. Um so Dublin, I'd have to say, you know, given the history of me and Dublin, I'd have to say Dublin would be my favourite, yeah. Sure. Um, okay, great. And you touched there on the different courses. That was one of the questions I had I had um, for later on. But uh, you're happy with the current course anyway? Uh, would you make any adjustments or go back to any of the older ones? Or uh, Well, I, I know it's not really possible now with all the traffic restrictions and everything like that, but I, I would love to see it go north side again. But 
the course seems to be good now and uh, the the athletes are are um seem happy with it and the times reflect that it is a good fast course you know there's been some great times on it on the on the days that are kind weather wise there's been some great times on it so um ah yeah they've got it and the crowds are back out on it which is yeah. great you know so that makes a difference too yeah fantastic okay so <laughs> moving on a little bit uh, uh a bit about coaching i mean i mean what would you say your coaching philosophy is in relation to the marathon? All of those things that I've said to you earlier about preparation, hard work, um, um, you know, their their mileage, yeah, good good mileage, and and not shirking on things. Now I've learned a lot through coaching, and I would have changed my attitude to certain sessions and everything. You know, I've coached a fair few marathon runners over the last. Um, 15 or 20 years, I suppose, the McClossies and the Sean Hares and John Connolly's, Maria McCambridge's for a while. Um, and, you know, we've done different sessions and we've worked out different. We've learned from, I suppose, more modern ways of doing things. Um, and then the, I learned a bit from Marathon Mission when that was going and listening to other marathon coaches and how they approached it. And, uh, you know, you, you have to be flexible. And then, Sometimes the athletes can't take the mileage and can't take the workload that you would like them to take. So you have to be, you know, you have to be aware of that and adapt to that. Um, but overall, I, I haven't seen yet a, a marathon runner who, who gets away with a light workload or who doesn't do, you know, a fair all amount of work. And, and, and anyone who does, they tend to have a short career. So, you know, you do hear about the odd one who gets away with a um, one good marathon or a, their first marathon might be their best or something like that. And then they discover that, hey, this isn't as easy as they thought, you know. Uh, so I've only done one marathon, Dick. I'm a bit worried about that last comment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, it must have been a good one then. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, I mean, any, any thoughts on kind of the way technology and runners and so on and all this has started to, the importance of runners Vapor, like vapor flies and all this kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, sadly, my generation uh, didn't get to experience those shoes. I mean, technology has moved on an awful lot. And uh, from what I hear and the feedback and obviously from what I read and observe, um, the shoes nowadays are making a huge difference. Is it 4 or 5%? So 4 or 5% when you're, no matter where you are, is a fair old chunk of time. Um, but it does explain, um, it does explain why, the times are so good nowadays and uh you know it's it, it's it's very interesting you know and and quite frightening and it, in in the sense that are the athletes with their vapor flies and all that are they much better than um you know the athletes who were running 20 years ago or 30 years ago um who are running in totally different footwear and Footwear is the main thing, I suppose. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, I know there's all the supplements and there's all the the dietary stuff and all that, but, uh, and the science of it. But I think the footwear is the biggest change of all. It there seems to be, as soon as those vapor flies were introduced, obviously times just took off. Something else. Yeah. Uh, I mean, personally, I think it's it's not really fair. You don't have to comment on this, but it's not yeah. really fair to compare times with. But uh, <laughs> no, that's look, look, that's technology. That's I mean, you look at the golf, and the reason they're hitting it much further now is because the you know the the clubs are much more efficient nowadays than they were. So you know, it, it's every sport, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. A ball is lighter now than in football than it was years ago. You know, the footwear in 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 soccer and everything is different than it was. And Stanley Matthews was a boy. You know, it's it's For totally sure. different. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay, well said. Um, so look, if you were looking at a race, let's say you, you came along and you saw you were watching a race from the sidelines and a normal club runner, a uh, regular guy or girl uh, doing their thing, I mean, what might you look out to see that they've bit of potential or even potential for the marathon? What are the kind of things you would look out for? Uh, running efficiency. Um, I'd watch them maybe do a session and I'd, I'd so say it was reps or whatever. I'd look at how they perform over the entire session um see what they're they're kind of have a look at their stamina it, it, observing athletes training is very interesting and you quickly become aware of who the speed merchants are who the who the stamina merchants are who the who the uh 
who's suited to what particular event or whatever. Oh, okay, occasionally you'd get surprised, but by and large, you 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 could nearly tell by observation who's best suited to, um, middle distance, long distance, the marathon or whatever. Uh, sometimes you though you have somebody who's physically very suited to the marathon, but mightn't have the mentality for it, and yeah. that's uh, that's a huge part of it as well. Yeah, uh, so uh, yeah, there's a lot of components go into it, but um, probably the athlete will 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 come to you and say, "I feel ready to do a marathon. I want to move up to the marathon or whatever. What do I have to do?" And you anal you you have a look at what they're doing now, um, and and uh, what difference uh a different type of workload would would make, you know, um, yeah, there's a whole there's a whole there's a whole book in it, really. <laughs> and, and let's say then, in terms of coaching, I mean, if, you, if let's say you could only run three sessions in a week, I mean, what would what are your what would your go to sessions be? You're talking in terms of a marathon, are you? Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, your most important run is your long run. So don't 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 skimp on that. Um, and I think it has to be at a good pace. So it has to be a pace that would be maybe. 30 within 30 seconds or less of your average uh average well mile time really i think in miles i don't think kilometers so if if you're if you're um if your race pace is, is 7 minutes per mile i think you should be running 725 730s in training on your long runs because the body has to get used to being tired and it can only get used to being tired when it's out there for a long time. And what makes it tired is the effort that it's running at, the, the, the pace that it's running at. We can all go out and dawdle around at 10 minutes or, well, I, I don't mean to be, you know, uh, disrespectful of a nine minute miler because 10 minutes is fast to them. But um, we can all go out and dawdle and jog around for a few hours and probably get away with it and not be overly exhausted. But it it's not proper preparation if you want to get the best out of yourself in in terms of running as fast as you can in a marathon yeah. um so you you know if you're ambitious and you want to get your times down you got to run long and run hard and that is the most important session of the day, of the week um depending on where you're at in your build up your your sessions will change as you get closer to the event the more speed work type stuff you do um along with your long run and stuff like that, you have to balance that carefully or else you'll break down. Um, so I wouldn't be obsessed with doing really fast work, but you need to do a session at race pace. So that can be a tempo or that can be long reps. Um, and then you need to do something like um, a regular session of a lot of 400 meters, a lot of 800 meters with short recoveries. Um, and all the time you're you're trying to put that uh what would you say encourage so uh, that that bit of pace out of yourself yeah. then as you get nearer to the event you drop those longer reps and then you and you would have probably done your long run um maybe three weeks your last long run maybe three weeks before you then try and sharpen up with what I would recommend to be short hills you know like anything from 150 to 300 meters reps like that which will if you're running up a hill, you won't feel amazingly fast because of the fact that you're working so hard to run up the hill. But it is a great way of putting pep in your step and sharpening you for 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 what's ahead, you know. Um, if you go to do a session of 200s and you're coming off a long period of marathon training and you try and do it on a track, it's risky in terms of injury and it's also probably disillusioning in that your times won't be as fast as you'd like them to be. But the the hills and the working hard up the hills does does all that work and does get you fast. Uh, and it just it's just different. You need you need something different in the last couple of weeks before the marathon. So yeah, that's that's how I go about it. Okay, brilliant. Um, I mean, what's the, maybe this is a tricky one, but I mean, what's success for someone who's never going to win a title or a race? Or oh, success is a, is a PB. Um, success could be finishing the event. Uh, like some of some people come from an incredible low base and they end up running a marathon and then uh, finishing a marathon and lo and behold, having told themselves they'd never do one again, 
then they start thinking, well, how do I take 10 minutes off this or 15 minutes off this or whatever? And they, and they get consumed by it. Uh, so success is, is all of that. Um, and it's the very fact that you've got up off your armchair and you've challenged yourself and you've, uh, you've done something that you, you probably wouldn't have thought possible maybe a year ago or five years ago or whatever, you know, uh, if I may flip it there, what what is it? you've you've just run the one. So where are you coming from in terms of of your attraction to the marathon? Well, I mean, I I love the training. First of all, I love going out meeting my friends weekly. I love the the schedule and the routine. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed the day. And yeah, I'm definitely looking to, to knock a little bit of time off uh, this year. But it's not the be all and end all. I'm not, I'm not going to put myself under too yeah. much pressure because. I want to enjoy it, but I'm confident I will knock knock a bit off. But um, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd like to increment slowly and stay fit and healthy and running. Yeah, uh, yeah, avoid injury. But um, yeah, it's just for me, it's the people. You know, meeting people during training and and then just enjoying the crowds on the day. I mean, it's a fantastic experience. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, well, I mean, you've said it all. You've answered the question better than I have there. I think you know, in in, in terms of what it means to you. See, for a guy like me who came to it young and was burnt out then by the time he was 45, uh, it's different, you know, because I, I can never get faster. I can never get better or whatever. But I've I've come away from it happy. I still run every day and I'm I'm still very interested in it, you know. So like we, it, it's it's one of those it, the people who tend to be running at an older age probably haven't been as committed runners when they were young, when they were in their teens and twenties and thirties, you know, so it's great. Yeah. It's uh... fantastic. Um, any advice for athletes who kind of lack confidence or, or ambition to go after their target? You know, they've done the work, but they're a bit nervous about hitting their target on the day. Um, well, I think that the confidence will come from the training. And um, if you know, you should know what, you're more or less capable from your training. So there's no point in 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 attempting the impossible if 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 your training doesn't indicate that um you haven't got a chance of it, you know. So there's no point in saying, oh, I'm gonna like you hear people say, Well, I did a I did a 135 uh half marathon there last week. So I'm gonna go at that pace now and and run 310. Um but the likelihood of them running 310 is not there. If the if one thirty five is their best half marathon, so yeah. you have to be realistic and and sort of say, well, maybe my best chance here is a three twenty five or something like that. You know what I mean? And 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 relative to all the all the times back, I you know, I, so I don't think you should overstretch on it. Um, training is what gives you confidence and the the knowledge. You know, you you line up there and you're you're able to say to yourself, well, I prepared well. I've done everything that the gurus tell me I should have done. Um. I'm I'm going to be brave here now. You have to be brave as well, you know. You, you the, at some stage in the race could be early or late. You're going to hit a crisis point, likely. And um, are you going to feel for, sorry for yourself, or are you going to keep going? Um, and when you hit that spot, that's when you have to have a good chat with yourself when you're running along, and just remind yourself that in training you hit some awful spots as well and you got through them, you know? And the more you get through those things, then the more the body and the mind are able to uh, combine in, in the effort of, of getting through that, you know? Um, if you stopped when you were in trouble out training, um, then it's going to be difficult not to stop in the race, you know? So if you've got through it before, have a good chat with yourself when you're hitting that crisis point and try to relax and tell yourself you'll get through it. You know, it's a huge psychological sea of emotions, a marathon that you have to get through, you know. Uh, Great, thank you. And then maybe finally, we're just coming to the end now. I've, I've kind of run through the questions, but I mean, what are your thoughts on the, the club athletic scene in Ireland at the moment? I think it's very good. Uh, I think club athletics in a country like Ireland and the UK is is probably way better than everywhere else in the world I mean there's no real club scene say for example in America it's all elite stuff so if you're not in an elite club there's no Los Casey you wander down to or Rahini Shamrock that you wander down to or Leeville or wherever you live 
And yeah. uh, I think club athletics is good. And the great thing about so many of the bigger clubs, I suppose, in the country is that they're they're attracting, you know, a wide a wide um membership from, you know, all, all standards and all all colours and creeds and uh um age groups and everything. And I think that's brilliant. Um Back in the day when I joined Rohini Shamrock, there was about 30 of us in the club. Now there's over 800, you know, it's just uh, mind boggling, you know, uh, it's mind boggling, but it's great. Um, and they all have that sense of belonging. And then on Marathon Day, when they all wear the Rohini shirt and or the Lusk shirt or whatever, uh, you know, it makes such a difference. And we're all part of the one family and we're all understanding of what's they're going through and what they're trying to achieve and all that but yeah yeah and club athletics is good too from a competitive situation as well you know and i would encourage you know anyone who who gets involved in a club to then try and run on club teams and score on club teams and you know get that buzz as well because there's county championships and there's provincial championships and there's age group championships and there's masters and there's so there's so much there for everybody yeah. Uh, to be competitive in 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 some form, you know. So, club is where it's at. I you know, I, and anyone who has you know, you see people out training and they're in groups, and you know they're not in a club, and they're missing out on the 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 training development, the competition, and that extra little bit of involvement and 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 camaraderie that would probably help them improve anyway, and that they would enjoy, you know. Uh, so yeah and it's great it's quite popular now to be a member of an athletic club whereas as I say years ago the, you knew everybody who was in Rohini because there was so few but nowadays you know there'd be a lot of people I wouldn't know by virtue of the fact that it's got so big you know so it's great that's fantastic yeah, a lot long way to continue um, yeah brilliant so I, I know uh, you've a, you've a long history you and your family with uh, Dublin City Marathon and will you, will you go along to Phoenix Park for the half marathon at the weekend and will you be there in end of October for the full marathon. Um, I'll definitely be there at the end of October. I I, I steward at it every year. I organise the Rohini stewards, so we'll be out on the Merion Road, keeping an eye on on uh, proceedings. Uh, and that's quite a long day for us stewards. So think about us stewards, you runners, when you're when you're going by. We could have been there yeah. for six or seven hours. Uh, it's a long day. Uh, but uh, oh look, I got good days out of it, so I should be giving something back. So. That's my way of giving giving something back, you know. Perfect. I think that's a, a really nice way to to end the interview. And Dick, look, it's been brilliant chatting to you, and I, and I really appreciate you giving your time and at short notice as well. So, uh, so fair play to you. And uh, I'd like to wish yourself and all your your team members at uh, Rohini the very best of luck and a, a successful year of running in athletics. And we'll. That's we'll a pleasure, Darren. Good luck to everybody on the day. Thank you. Cheers. All the best. Thanks very much. Really enjoyed chatting to Dick. Next up, my interview with Aidan McKenna. So hi everyone, I'd like to welcome Aidan McKenna to the podcast. Aidan is Deputy Chairperson, Competition Secretary for the Seniors and Juniors, and also an extremely valued coach at Lusk AC. So you're very welcome, Aidan. Thank you, Darren. Thanks for having me. Cheers, that's great. Um, so look, we've lots to talk about. Your involvement maybe in track and field as a junior, your role as a coach at Lusk AC and perhaps where and how you see the club developing in the coming years. So maybe just to kick off, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Ian McKenna. I'm, li I'm living in Lusk for the last uh, 20 years myself. I'm Mike to Gillian. We have three girls, Grace, Kate and Mary. All have come through the club and have all uh, in enjoyed their time while they're in the club, you know. And uh, still, we've still won doing the, the athletics at the minute, which is great. The others have kind of grown up and moved on to other things, you know. So look, um, I know you're from Keady, County Armagh, so maybe take us back to when and how you got involved in athletics as a young fella. Well, I would have got involved with athletics when we were very young. Uh, my dad was actually involved with the Keady Running Club at the time, it was called, um, and uh, there was two other coaches there as well, uh, John McConnell and a fella called Noel Hanratty. And we used to run in one of the local estates, it was just like a little 200 metre loop, you know, and we used to run there. but. Um, most of the track and field events that we would have done, we would have done in school through our, uh, our PE teacher. We had a fantastic PE teacher at the time, John Grant, and John was brilliant. He was a real lover of athletics, you know. Like, realistically, where I'm from in Cadian County, I was a big stronghold for, for hurling and football, you know. But um, there was that little community of athletics and running club at the time, you know. And it's, it's a pity the running club's now gone, you know. And no one's ever really took that mantle on again. But it would be great to see it getting up and running again in Cadian. I'd be a, 
massive uh, lover to see to get it going there again, you know. It's amazing the impact one person can have on a community, isn't it? Amazing. Yeah, Absolutely yeah. amazing, Fantastic. you know. Absolutely amazing. So you, you had the running club. I did check uh, online. It's, as you said, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's, not, it's not on the go anymore. No. Okay, no, super. So would there be many athletics clubs in Armagh? The, the, only, the, the, closest club, one? the closest one to us now would be the Armagh Running Club. It used to be back in the day when, when we were running, when we were younger, it was called the Orchard County. Yeah. And that would have been a big rival club, you know, um, because some, you would have had some ones from Katy would have actually ran for the Orchard County. And then we would all been in school together, knocking around together, playing football, hurling together. And all of a sudden you, you, you rock up there cross country meeting on a Sunday and here you have your, 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 your tiny beside you, you know. Bit of, you can't beat a bit of competition oh, as well. 100%, 100%. And was it all running or was there any track and field or hurdles? Or well, the running club now was just basically yeah. all running. Uh, from time to time we did go down to Mary Peters track um, when we were younger, you know, to a couple of meetings, you know. Um, but mostly the the running club was running, you know. Yeah, it yeah. was it was in the schools that we mostly did our, our track and field. Um, like in the schools we had um, we had our, our sprints, we had our distance running, we had long jump, we had shot put and high jump. Um, but we never had the hurdles, and I I just absolutely love the hurdles. I love everything about hurdles. I think from uh, just a training implement for everybody, just for uh, mobility and flexibility. I just think they're a fantastic tool and totally underutilised by every sport, not just athletics, but every sport. So was it that discipline that you didn't have that you wanted or well, how, how did you become exposed to it then? Well, just you know? in the club here, yeah, yeah. you know, um, Colin McNally really, yeah. you know, um, getting the hurdles out and getting at it, you know, and uh, I just wish we had I had the hurdles for that, that reason when I was younger because I, I never known you know, how it would have went, you know, but yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. It could have been an incredible hurdle. Well, I don't have the flexibility now, that's for <laughs> sure. I can tell you there's no more flexibility that. here now, but um, it might have it might have helped in some, especially some injuries, you know. Yeah, yeah, super. You know, um, so that was fantastic. I mean, like you were, you had the opportunity to do a lot of running as a, as a young fella. Um, what was your most memorable moment then as a junior athlete? Um, I would say for me, there's probably two. Um, one of them was for my size, was a high jump when it was a, a school's event where there was a fella and he was much taller than me, he was, he was six foot, and I actually beat him. And um, I couldn't believe that I beat this chap in the high jump. But then another one was, it was an 800 event where I was very, very good at the 800 at the time. And straight aside, like, you know, young and mad in the head, I just went out in this race and took the first, it was actually a 200 metre uh, all weather uh, track at the time. And um, I decided to take it out, went for the first three laps and just completely collapsed on the last lap. And then the person who beat me um, the following year was the same race again. So we were, again, would have been the two favourites in it. And I just did, stuck on his shoulder to the last lap. And then I said, OK, 200 metres out, I ain't going. And getting back to my PE teacher, John Grant, he turned around and he said to me later on after he got all, he got the finish line done, he says to me, young McKenna, you learned your lesson. <laughs> You know, it was a good lesson to learn. Oh, 100%. It was a good lesson to learn. 100%. I mean, you referenced there earlier uh, that there was a lot of interest in Gaelic football and hurling in the community. So can I, what are your thoughts on young athletes now in the club and other clubs around the country playing other sports? Like, what are the benefits or what are your thoughts? Oh, the, the benefits. I, I'm a, a massive advocate of any young person playing all different sports because there's no, there's no point in just sticking to the one. It's... It gives them all different, you know, mobility, flexibility, uh, agility, movements, you know, when it comes to the, the, the soccer, the football, the basketball. Um, but there does come a time, you know, when they get older that you can't do everything either. You know, you just can't do everything. But I love seeing kids doing all sports, your Gaelic, your Hurling, your soccer. Even though it's not, there's a new club started in Lusk, but basketball, I love basketball just for that jumping. Yeah, you know yeah. that agility and you know you can stop and just jump up into the air like it's it's great it brings you know athletics brings all the sports together really you know like everything that's done in athletics you know is done in your, your gaelic your, your hurling jumping catching throwing basketball all those are, are all they all come together i'm a big big fan of, of multi-sports but there does come a time when you have to say when you're older okay well i'm going to have to maybe stick to one thing because you just you know sometimes it's hard to do everything yeah yeah no 100 percent 
And it's a difficult decision for many of them at the time, I'm sure, when they have to choose one discipline over oh, another. Oh, definitely. I've actually had, uh, I've had to do, ask one athlete, you know, say, listen, it's something I don't like to have, that I want to ask you. He says, I don't want you playing Gaelic football just for a certain period of time. And after this is over, you can go back to it, you know. And I didn't like having to ask that because I do love seeing them playing other sports. Yeah, I know, that makes good sense. You, you referenced uh, John Grant earlier. Yeah. Um, and sounds like he was perhaps a mentor to you and a lot of, lot of young athletes in, uh, in your community when you were younger. So what was it about John Grant that was, that, you know, made him such a good guy and, and encouraging people to get into athletics? He was always positive. He was just always positive and just wanted to, wanted to enjoy your sport, you know. And like the fact that we would mostly Gaelic and Horland in the community, um, he was promoting athletics. He was promoting something different that, you know, that I wanted to do and others wanted to do, you know. And he was just always positive and go out and enjoy it. Like, like just saying to you, like after me explaining that he had hundred race out one year, I messed it up, and then the following year, just just a simple word in your ear, and I've never forgot it, and I can still yeah, remember yeah. it as very, very clearly. He just, you know, young me can, and he said, you learn your lesson, and it's always stuck with me, yeah, you, yeah. Know? you know, and you have to learn these lessons, you know, yeah, yeah. so he was always positive, and always wanted to enjoy your sport, you know, oh, that's and uh, all your sports, you know. Yeah, fantastic. So, when and why did you join Los KC? Um, we joined Los KC after the Olympics in 2012. Um, myself, Gillian, and the girls went uh, over to London to the Olympics and um, we were at the, the morning session and you just get that smell off the track again, you know, there's that smell and you can smell the track and I said to Gillian, I wonder is there an athletic club local to us, you know, because the girl, my girls was young at the time and they were only starting really to get involved in, um, in clubs and, and sports in the town, you know, and um, a friend of ours who's actually, she's her she is in the club as a thrower, um, Ronan E. Madigan. Her, and her kids was in the club at the time, and um, we went to, my girls went to school with her kids, and we happened to just ask Barona one day, I wonder is there a place in, in Lusk there for athletics? And she goes, sure, my girls is in the athletic club. And that's how we got involved with the club, and so we haven't looked back ever since. Fantastic. You know? Yeah, that's very brilliant. And I suppose when you joined then, did you initially join to pursue athletics yourself or, or to get straight stuck into the coaching? Um, really at the start it was coaching, you know, but at the same time it had me head, you know, no harm getting fit here. Yeah. Was, uh, um, <laughs> Lead by example. Get, getting back into it and uh, no harm in losing a few pounds either at the time, yeah. you know, so um, it was kind of that at the start and it was mostly, it was mostly running that that I was doing at the start in the club, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it was kind of a bit of both, really. But it was mostly the coaching. That I was always going to get involved in coaching somewhere along the line. So tell us about that. Why, why is that? Or um, Just as, as the type of person I am. Yeah. You know, I remember when we moved to Lusk, um, I deliberately didn't get involved with any any club because I probably wouldn't be at home. You know, just it's it's full on, you know. Yeah, yeah. As a friend of mine, he uses the saying, it's uh, six gear and no brakes. You know? So <laughs> that's kind of what explains sometimes when I get involved with something, it's six gear, no brakes. Let's see how we do. Let's do our best, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it is really, you know. Fantastic. Lusk uh, see is lucky to have you in your six, your six gears, no doubt, Aidan. Um, so look, you've, you've, you're wearing a couple of hats at the moment at Lusk AC. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about your current role? The current role that I have, I'm, I'm vice chair at the minute, but, uh, and I would be mostly involved with junior athletes in the club, which is from the 17 to 20 year old, and uh, then the under 23s, which we're, we're really trying to develop and bring the club to that next level, into senior level, and have more of our young athletes uh, competing at senior level. Um, like COVID didn't really help there in getting that going, but at the same time we tried after COVID, we got a lot, a lot going to the junior competitions, and um, it's just getting getting to that next level where the club, like since it's reformed in two thousand and nine, the juvenile section has really went well, and all the adults getting involved and their kids are involved is great as well. But just that getting that senior, that senior club uh, going is uh, it's it's challenging, but it's a challenge that I really want to get my teeth into over the next few years. It so is what would be the age category there now you'd be looking for, or what we're talking about? Well, if, if someone is, is, is a decent enough athlete from 18 up, they're, they're really, they can do any senior event. Well, under yeah. 17 and up, you can do any senior yeah. event. But that's why you have the juniors, which is 17 to 20, and then the under 23s. It's kind of, you're still running with your, your peers at that age. But uh, college really has a big effect on where they go as well. So that's, it's, 
it's just it's get really find that happy balance you know yeah. but at the same time you've got to let them if, if the, the athlete is going to go and move on to a college you've got to let them go as well and find their path too you know yeah, yeah. it's it's important to find their path so i guess i suppose maybe is there two challenges there i suppose it's retaining young athletes into their their, their early 20s and then attracting in new members or yeah. people moving to the locality or it's both. It's um, it, it's keeping them within the club and keeping them within the sport and uh, the way that the, the development here in North County Dublin in Lusk is going. Um, it's the club is only going to grow because there's houses going in in, in everywhere, you know. So there's so and that that will bring people who want to join athletics. Yeah, yeah, you know, want to for sure. Go to a lo local club. Okay, so let's say uh, someone new joins the club, or you you see uh, some potential in, in a young athlete. How like how would you go about? maybe developing a training plan or just roughly how engaging with that young person and encouraging them along? It's, um, there, there's, there's three or four strings to it. Um, it, it depends, number, number one, what type of athlete they are, which, what to do, are they a runner, are they a jumper, or are they, they a thrower, you know? So there, there's a couple of plans there you could put in place, like for, for a distance runner, for, for example, um, you definitely have, you know, you'd have your long runs in, you'd have tempo runs in, you'd have fast work, you know, a lot of 200 metres, maybe 150s, 400s, you know, you'd have your hills, you have to have them, those best hills in there. Um, for me, no matter, all athletes of any discipline should have hills, hills in, in, in their training plan, you know. Um, then you'll have your strength and condition for their plan as well. Um, hurdlers would be, one day a week, would always be doing their hurdle drills. You know, and then they definitely do their drills and maybe do a few runouts another night. You know, your throwers would be up here doing their strength and conditioning, doing their different technique nights as well, as well as having an actual throw session as well. You know, but strength and conditioning is, is important, very important for all of them as well. Um, like your throwers would be lifting heavier weights to an extent where your, your runners would be lifting lighter weights, you know. Yeah. So, um, so, so would you sit down with a young athlete and maybe, I don't know, their parents or not their parents and figure out what their schedule is or, and then work, yep. work around that and yeah yeah, yeah. definitely like, like we're just heading in right now like this is a, the end of august we're heading back into the cross-country season so basically like the, the the junior athletes that i'm training are heading into their cross-country and they've already got their plan for the, really the next 12 weeks of, of what to be doing you know and we already have the the calendar of events so we know when to ease off in the training and when to pick it up again so they, they already have that, they've already started their plan. They're probably three weeks into it already. Yeah. They've got two weeks off after their track and field and anyone that was interested in the cross country said, right, and I was taking a break, but this is your plan and we'll be meeting back up again. But I touch base with them as well during the week to see how it's going. They send me in what, what they're doing as well, you know, to make sure that they're, they're doing the right things, you know. Brilliant. And then any thoughts on talent versus hard work? I'm sure every, you want to encourage everyone, but... Uh any yeah. thoughts, any philosophies you want to share um, with us? Well, definitely what I learned this year when it comes to the track and field, when it, there was a couple of athletes for sure, um, and even over the last two or three years, sometimes it's just sheer hard work. Yeah. You have to put the work in. You just can't turn up to a track and expect it to happen. And it's not, it's not going to happen, you know, because you have to put the work in. <clears throat> you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't put the work in, and it's very, very few people can actually get away with that. Um, like we had two or three athletes this year and for sure it was the hard work that they had put in because I actually had a conversation with them and, and their parents goes we're heading into nationals and you know there's a good possibility the young, young athlete could do well I goes are they willing to put the effort in he says because if they put the effort in I will always put the effort in yeah. you know I'll be rowing right behind them and um, just said to them like there's some nights you're going to be probably going home from training and I might be your most favourite person in the world. He says, but that's what it takes to get to that level. Yeah, you yeah. know, and it, and it did prove it worked, you know. It was basically hard work. Yeah. And then in terms of you developing as a coach, like what, so I presume you've taken an ex-Ireland coaching course. As so how did, how did you develop your own coaching skills? Um, well, I, a lot to do was with the, the courses as well, but we're actually blessed within the club to have a good 10 coaches, we'll say, if a, the one for a figure that are all really just into helping each other and you know try this try that and there's no there's no animosity between anybody it's just yeah everyone gives everybody so much support as well as having them courses as well like the club i've been in clubs in katie and armagh clubs in, in in america i was in a club in australia and 
I've never seen anything like Glasgow Athletic Club. It's just the togetherness with everybody, how everybody helps each other out. And that's from the adults, masters, juniors, seniors, juveniles, parents. It's, it's unbelievable. I've never seen a club like it. It's just how everyone helps each other out. Fantastic. Yeah. Culture is massive, yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. So we're, we're sitting here in the OTC, the Olympic Training Centre, yeah. and it's looking fantastic. Thanks to you and all, all the team that have been working on it over the last couple of years. Can you maybe tell us about it? This is where we are, is the, the OTC, and um, it's basically it's just uh, five or six different sheds put together by one of the, the local farmers. And um, we've been lucky enough now, we, we only just have it just over a year, we've only have it 13 months. And the work that's been put into the OTC here to develop what we have, we have a, a full gym with everything in it. You know, we have our, our bikes, our weights, our racks, our rowing machines. Um, there's, bar, there's ceiling, there's climbing bars, all the resistance bands, uh, the mirrors so you can check your technique of what you're doing. And then we have a drill shed where we do our sprint drills. Um, we do our blocks, our hurdle drills, and um, there's a lot of plyometric work would go on there as well, a lot of hops and skips and jumps. And it's the fact we can do it when it's wet. It's amazing that we can actually do that uh, as well. And then what we've developed in the last six months, where we actually are sitting here now, this is a, we're, we're kind of calling this our jump shed, where we have our pole vault, we have our raised long jump, we have our high jump, and um, then the little shed just beside it there, we have an, um, an in an indoor throws uh, cage as well, where we can do our discus and our shot put into the cage. And our last little bit of the development is with a little running area there where uh, we'll be able to throw javelin balls up against the wall so you can work on your javelin technique inside as well, you know. Um, and the work that's went into this here for four or five different individuals, individuals in the club, it, it's unbelievable that we just all rolled. Like, there's a few late nights spent here. So there was, I can, I can, I can tell you, um, during the winter as well, especially getting the pole vault mat up and running. And then we have our, our lovely, uh, awesome walls as well, where we have a climbing wall, which is, uh, has been developed uh, with um, just a couple of sheets of plywood and a bit of, bit of timber. And we have the, the, the proper uh, climbing for, uh, uh, grips as well. It's fantastic. And the, the juvenile kids love it. Yeah. The kids, it's the first thing they come up this. Well, we don't, have, we don't have to go to awesome walls anymore. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I'm sitting here now, I'm absolutely blown away with the work that's been done, particularly since the last time I was here. Um, and are you seeing the benefits already with yes. the younger athletes? Oh, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, like, definitely, we do need to promote within the club the throws more, and we do need to promote the, the jumps more, more so the long jump and the high jump within the club. Like, we have these here now, and we should be using really this year we really have to drive it with our, our juvenile coaches and our adults as well coming up and trying the long jump trying the high jump like we're blessed to have a couple of the, the best pole vault coaches in the country in the club yeah. and that's being used for the the vaulters that are going with the smaller heights and developing them and uh, at the smaller heights and the good thing with this shed is that if they become at one stage they're going to hit the roof of that shed it means they have to move on to the, the, the bigger heights, and, and that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's a fantastic place that we put together, and we're, we're lucky to have it. And we're lucky at the, the local farmer that we have here has is, is been very accommodating with us, you know. Yeah, fantastic. And is it a matter then for, let's say, our juvenile athletes just to try everything, see what, see what they like, or e, and, and maybe a bit of e watching and seeing what they, they perform well in? Or how does it work? Is it just as simple as that? Or? Um, well, you can. We try to promote within the club the multi-events. Yeah. I'm a big lover of the multi-events up until someone gets to a certain stage if they're, they're just kind of focus and specialise in one. And the, like that specialisation to me will come around 16, 17, okay. 18 years of age. I would still be promoting um, every event for every athlete as much as possible like, because we have everything here. Like Not everyone wants to run, so we have the throwing facilities and we have fantastic uh, throwing coaches in the club to develop that side of it. We have fantastic jump uh, coaches in the club as well. And we have this here, not everyone wants to, to do a throw and not everyone wants to run. So there's jumps there. There's something for everybody. Yeah. There's something for everybody in the, in, in the club to do, you know? Okay, brilliant. Um, so this is, uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's a tricky one, but I'm sure you, you've, you've thought about it. I mean, where do you see Los KC in, in five years time? Well, I would definitely like to see Los KC with a facility. A proper track facility. Yeah, like we are the second biggest co club in the country, as it stands, and 
we don't have a proper facility to train our, our, our athletes of, of any of all ages. Um, and it's a growing community with more houses going in and we don't have a proper facility. We're still training on a green field. And um, I just, uh, I would love to see that facility, us in five years time, running on Tartan Track in Lusk. And we don't have to go to the Santry, we don't have to go to Alsa, we don't have to go to Catala to do sessions or even the indoor arena, that we can do them in our own community and develop our own athletes in our own community without having to, to drive across an M50. Yeah. And we will see the benefits of that. Having a proper facility definitely will benefit the athletes in the club. Brilliant. Sounds great. And yeah, here's hoping that that'll oh, be absolutely head. fantastic. Um, so look, I mean, obviously, we're, we're, we've just all been watching the World Athletics Championships on TV. Were you tuned in? Always clued as much yeah. as possible. Yeah. yeah, so what were the highlights for you? Um, for me, it's funny I sent a message last night to one of the groups. Um, if there was a, a, if there was a prize for the, I don't know what would be the best way of putting it, but from a low to a high really was Fanka Bowl of, of Netherlands. On the first day in the mixed relay, she falls flat out in her face going for a gold medal and doesn't get a medal at all and then wins the world 400 metre hurdle gold um, because her main rival wasn't there, Sydney McLaughlin, and then goes out and what a last 200 metres last night in the, in the, in the 4x4. Incredible. Like, it was just unbelievable. Myself and my wife was watching it, and, and she kept saying, oh, the Jamaican has it, Jamaican has it. And I just kept saying, keep your eye on third, keep your eye on third, keep your eye on third. And I just said, thank a bowl. She, just, she has it in the last 100 metres. And it was fantastic. Yeah. It was fantastic. But we can't, you can't go without saying about our own athletes. They, they all perform brilliant. Like, the biggest team we've ever sent yeah. to any World Championships but making finals and making them later stages of, of, of the, the events, like two top fives, you know, Kira and Rashida coming yeah. fourth, like, um, and the mixed relay making the final, making coming sixth, the girls coming eighth last night. Like, fantastic. You know, um, only if maybe the likes of uh, Andrew Costigan, maybe one less race or two during the year, he might have been up there as well, you know? Yeah you know, as well. So, and like seeing the likes of Nick Griggs coming through and getting that World Championship ex experience, that, that big time experience, like that's, the future's very, very bright, I think, you know. Yeah. Especially seeing what we see coming through the Dublins and then going to the Nationals and seeing those juvenile athletes coming through. Like, it's fantastic, you know. And were, were our young athletes talking about the championships? Were they, were they tuning in? Were they getting excited? Do they, do they know the stars? The, the oh yeah, we athletes? had one, one of our coaches was over there, went for a couple of days on another young athlete, uh, two athletes in the family went over Brilliant. to see it, you know, so like that's definitely, it's, it's, having a, it's having an effect on them, you know, which yeah. is great. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of attention in the media. It's, yeah, it's, been really, oh, it's really fantastic and what I, what I would like to see better, you know, it wasn't, it was on Virgin Media too, I'd like to see maybe it being an RTE and you know, like BBC had it on. Like, why can't our own channels have it on and all full time? Yeah, yeah. You know, the more visual it is, the more, the, you know, the more people will, will, will take notice of it, you know? Absolutely. So, look, I know you do a little bit of work with Action Ireland. I don't know if you wanted us to talk about that at all or if I caught you a bit on the hop there. Oh, uh, not at yeah, all. Yeah, um, I think it's Action, interesting, well, yeah. Well, Action Ireland Trust is it's, uh, it's a charity that we're, we go to Lesotho in South Africa where um, we, we work in schools and um, what we do is we build kitchens and we build toilets in the schools. Um, in them and just to, to give them a, be a better future for themselves and um, we have an education program down there as well and Lusk Athletic Club has been a massive supporter of, of, of Action Ireland Trust since, um, since I've been involved like we um, sent down the old Lusk National School school equipment desks and chairs and like there was dirty Lusk Athletic Club people helping load the, the truck that day and a couple of years ago one of my daughters came with me and we did a we did a, a running event here in Lusk, a 12-hour running event where every 15 minutes there was someone running and they, they were turning up and donating to, to, the, to the charity, you know. So um, that's been a, a massive part of my, my life in the last 14 years, you know, and Lusk Athletic Club has definitely been helping it, you know. But that's what we mostly do when we go down. We, we're, we're building um, kitchens and toilets in, in, in Lesotho, in schools, a lot of them in, in mountainous regions where they're, they're out of the way. Um, and they don't have facilities of, of any kind and, and the education programme has just been, been massive how it's helped and developed young, young kids to progress better in, in their lives through education. Fantastic, sounds like a really, really brilliant cause. Um, so look, I think it'd be nice if we've kind of finished off by 
you maybe telling us how someone could get involved in coaching? Like how, how would they go about it? Because every club in the country, I'm sure, needs more coaches. They want to get more adults involved. How would they go? How, how would someone get involved? Um, well, it's very simple, I suppose, if they just came up and asked, you know, but that yeah. doesn't happen, you know. Um, we have, in, in the club, a lot of, I suppose, a lot of people don't know, but we've got what's called the Seamus Flynn factor. You know, if someone's sitting on the fence on a Tuesday night and there's only two or three of them, I go over regularly and say, are you hanging around? And they would say, yeah, well, can you help this group here? You know, and we've got coaches that way. Yeah. You know, I'm actually one of them. That's what happened to me <laughs> one night in training um, back in 2012. It was, it was probably October or the end of September when Seamus Flynn walked up and he says, are you hanging around? And I says, yeah, I mean, you can come out and help, no problem. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we, we have got coaches that way. But we, we would ask, like, we, if anyone would like to help coach, it would be great. And don't be afraid to come up and, and ask any of our coaches, how can I get involved, you know? Because it is worth, it's very, it's, it's amazing to see how young juveniles develop and grow and mature into each event that they do, you know. And also the adults as well, watching someone coming who can't, the Fit for Life is an amazing pr uh, programme that some people come to the Fit for Life and have never run 100 metres in their life and within 12 weeks they're running a, a, a 5k and like that's, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. It's just a matter of come up and ask and we, we'll help you as best we can, you know. Yeah, and I suppose you're helping young athletes, you're, you're helping the club, but you also benefit yourself, I'm sure. Like, it's great you to be do. involved and be you active do. and it's watching meet them, people. Yeah. Watching them develop, meeting yeah. people and watching them mature over the years and, you know, become their own person as well, you know. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's very, very fulfilling in many ways, yeah. you know. Look, Aidan, I tell you, it's been, uh, it's been brilliant chatting to you. Good, you have, uh, Thanks a million for coming on and uh, I wish you... And all the, the young athletes at Lusk AC, uh, the very best of luck for the coming year. And, uh, and, you know, we look forward to the OTC going from strength to strength. Oh, and yeah. Get that track eventually as well. It'll yeah, be brilliant. Please go on. Thanks for having me, Lauren. Yeah, Thanks cheers. Very much. All right, all the best. Thank you all for tuning in. We really appreciate your support and hope you enjoyed the show. I'd like to thank our guests, Dick Hooper and Aidan McKenna, and all the team that are working on the Lusk Athletic Club podcast, Colin Brown, Julie Griffith, Nicole Hodson, Dwayne Moore, Sean Smith and Colin Wall. Good luck to all those taking part in the Berlin Marathon, the Half Marathon in the Phoenix Park and also the Rathfarnham 5K. All the best from Los Casey.